most people's are in recovery, yeah? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I got to get my shtick straight. Cross <laughs> <laughs> a miracle, non-duality, recovery. <laughs> Family channel, no. <laughs> Shopping, no. All right. <laughs> Tribe has been acknowledged, yes. I'm a member, recovery, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm so lucky to be a bearer of good news, really. Yeah, like the word gospel means the good news. Uh, have you ever seen people, and in your own life, where there's a feeling that you're the one who surrendered and then something important comes up and then you take it back, you know, and then the shit hits the fan and then you surrender again, but then if something important comes up, you take it back. It's sort of like, uh, you know, you're like the bully who gave a little kid at the bag of candy and then hold this and don't never give it back to me. And then when you come up and you grab it anytime you want, that's not surrender, see? The real surrender, and there's no real surrender. But see, I was, you can't, in my own experience, you don't know what surrender is until it's given to you. It's sort of like a gift. And I remember the day, because it didn't, wasn't produced by extreme circumstances in my own life. I mean, I've been run over twice in one night. That didn't provoke a surrender. I've overdosed, I've been shot at. None of those things provoked a surrender. The surrender in me, in my life, happened at a regular day at the office. I was just running into that common condition I was in for at the end, which was having no money and wanting to get something, like drugs, yeah? <laughs> and therefore, if I, got, if I was going to get the drugs, I was going to have to talk someone into giving me the money or going with me somehow. And it's a lot of freaking work especially if you only have a certain customer base and they've, they've heard your stick and they don't feel like, you know, it wasn't that much fun for them to get high with you. You know what I mean? So they're not going to know. And the idea of a charity work is finished. <laughs> no, no, you know. So you're usually in a very, very heavy level of angst, yeah, because there's nothing like wanting to do something and not being able to do it, yeah. And, you know... You hit a point where you just don't want to kiss any more ass. You know, you don't want to listen to another coke dealer's life story to get something from them, and you just had enough. You know? Well, what happened with me? I nothing had ever brought me to the point of having enough. When I hit when I hit bottom, when I hit a bottom, I actually used to furnish it and call you over. I really did. There was I could there was no low I couldn't go to. And and it had been proven over and over again. So I had just come out of a, a program for two years I was in there. And I went on a, this 10-month run. And I lost all hope. I wasn't expecting anything to change. All I really wanted was to stay, to stay displaced or to stay loaded 
until I, the next time I went to institution, jail, and death, basically. Because that's all, that, those were the three parking spaces I was going to all the time. Institution, jails, and death. And I just wanted, while there was a little in-between, I just wanted to say hi, because I knew what was coming. I did. By that time, I knew. I couldn't stay out for a week without attracting attention. Yeah? Because the alcoholic of my type is when I drink and use... I attract people in uniform. It's just that fucking simple. And I mean all various uniforms. The robes of judges, whites of doctors and nurses, and a huge long streak of blue being police. And they used to just mold into it, meld into each other, you know? One would go first, usually the blue would lead to, <laughs> would lead to the white, and then I'd go to the black. <laughs> and then I'd be escorted by the blue <laughs> to the orange jumpsuit. <laughs> and then when I got out, I just wanted to stay as low as I could before it started again, basically. Really, that's how it come to. It didn't start that way. It didn't take long, but it took some, it took some years of browbeating to get to that point. Yeah. So I was just in another predicament with no money. I'd been drinking or something for four days. I had, dr- dr- you know, I had drank myself dumb. You know, I would fall to sort of what you would call asleep, and when I woke up, I was still drunk, and I couldn't put two sentences together. And I ended up in a trailer park. I said it on Friday night, and I was all I was doing was hoping. I was with a guy I didn't know in this trailer, and I was hoping a mutual acquaintance was going to come, who had money, so that I could attempt to talk him into getting some drugs. I was just trying to stay loaded with the, with the hope that I could get high. Just like every other day, and I had given up all hope. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, no way I was going into another program. No way, nothing was going to happen. Because after two years of being in this program, and then telling me, because it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yeah? While I'm in the program, they're, they're meeting Dr. Jekyll, and they have stories of Mr. Hyde. And they tell me, you know, that period of being Mr. Hyde, bro, is over. Even though it was rather long, it's over. We're convinced that you're going to stay Dr. Jekyll. And I hoped they were freaking right, but they weren't. Yeah? I had a strong suspicion. Once I got out of that ceiling and those walls, Mr. Hyde was going to appear. And that's what happened. And it went on a run like it's done many, many times. And I had two years of health, so it lasted about ten months. But it rode me like a jockey would ride a horse into the ground. And I was at, you know, those typical stables you end up. You know, fucking trailers or, you know, a piss motel or something like that. All the wonderful destinations as you're circling the the fucking drain. (laughs) Maybe you stole a couple of towels or something. (laughs) Trailer parts is not even a towel. You pass that point. You're using a shirt or shit, you know. Or you can't even... You can't even get your leg over the little bathroom wall to get into the shower. Seriously. You'd have to really consider, is it important enough to take a shower? I couldn't lift my legs to get over the freaking thing. (laughs) So, So I was just sitting there, and I swear to God, you know, 
You know, like it says in AA, no human power can relieve you of your alcoholism. And that has been completely true to me. You know, at that point, I would have loved if it could change. You know, my mother wanted it to change. My friends wanted it to change. My enemies wanted it to change. The state wanted it to change. <laughs> no human power could produce a sobriety or a soberness in me. So I was at wit's end and uh, just figured I'd try to stay as high as I could until the next domino fell. And um, something intervened, you know, sort of like a portal opened up where I felt it like a download. Something stopped my head. And I didn't, by at this point, I didn't know it could ever stop. It was like incessantly, it was like a mental presence hanging over me all the time. And it stopped for about three or four minutes. I don't even know how long or short. And information came in. And it was like a, a CNN newsflash, no story. And the, the newsflash was, I'm fucked, you know? Now, everyone who knew me knew I was screwed for quite a while, but it was really like, it was like fast-breaking news to me. Just the denial, the denial in me was sort of like Arnie Schwarzenegger muscles. I, I was constantly flexing to keep reality out. And then it just, it, it just collapsed, and the shit hit, hit and what, what beautifully, what beautifully happened was, it didn't stop at the mental state because many times I admitted I was an alcoholic to get a drink or to get out of trouble. Many, many times I admitted I was an addict to get someone to do something for me. But this went through the head and went into what I believe AA implies when it says you, in, you admit to your innermost self. <coughs> I would say that innermost is not in the mental realm. It's maybe you want to call it the heart. There's no location but I know where it's not, and it's not in that yapping, thoughting, thoughting, you know, yap-talking place. It's just not. And this happened. It downloaded into me. I saw the new. I saw the headline. You couldn't escape it, and it really just, uh, you know, the balloon popped basically. And so, what happened? If the information told me get up, which I did. Go out to the phone. We didn't have cell phones then. Call up Delancey Street and see if they will take you back. Yeah, that was the first download. So I went to the phone booth. I called up Delancey Street. And I said the first honest thing I'd said in about 10 months. And that is, you know, I need help. You know? I think it felt very terminal, the situation now. And they said, well... Uh, we're not going to take you now, but maybe in a month you can come back and get interviewed again. You have to be accepted at this place. And I said to them, I don't have a month, you know. I just don't, it's not going to, it's not going to be, I'm not going to be here. So I hung up the phone and I called up a woman. And it's so funny how so many of us have nurses for girlfriends, you know. If you ever seen the little trick there, it's just amazing how it's sort of like you go on a specific internet dating system and you know, nurses no, but you just run into them so I, I called up this nurse I used to, I wouldn't say I went out with her, I hung out with her 
And I told, asked her, you know, I was telling her of the situation, and I must have sound pretty sincere, and so she said, yeah, I'll drive up there. It was about an hour and a half north of the city. And in that hour and a half, it was amazing that a miraculous alcoholic recovery occurred, and I wanted to get high again. <laughs> now, I didn't inform her of this as she was in transit, or she would have turned around. She was assuming I was that sincere person 40 minutes ago, but that had changed. Yeah. <laughs> the parasite had taken over again. And, and so when she arrived, she was in for a surprise. I get in the car, and I try to talk her into buying a six-pack of Talls, you know, and getting the cocaine, and <laughs> we'll buy some dirty magazines, and we'll rent a hotel room, and shit like that, and of course she had needles, because she's a nurse and stuff, so I was hoping she had them with her, but she had followed that equation with me many times, it hadn't been that satisfying for her, but she said, no, we're not doing that this time, and she says, "If do you want a place to stay tonight, and I said, I do, because that's what I was really afraid of, I had nowhere to go and no money. And I said, yeah. And she says, you got to go to an AA meeting. And so she took me to my first meeting. And it was a men's meeting. She couldn't come in. She just dropped me off at 8. Said she'd be back at 9. She showed up back at 9. And in that meeting, I felt hope, which I hadn't felt in a long time. And that hope allowed me to feel how hopeless I was. I could really sense how demoralized, how pitiful, how incomprehensible it is I could really let it be as strong as it is, really, with no denial of it. Because now I had hope, you know. And just like it says in the forward, one of the forwards, that we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but in the future I learned a lot about that simple statement. They could have easily said we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body, but they don't say that. They say seemingly hopeless. And seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. Yeah? It's pointing out your big role in this. Yeah. And at that point the seemingly wasn't clear in my life, but in AA it became so. Yeah. So what occurred is I went to that meeting, she picked me up, I tried to sleep, and the miracle happened really while I was asleep. Because I woke up the next morning, and that, that imperative, that urge, that compulsion, that obsession to escape my own skin wherever I was at had dimmed down enough where I could think of something else to do, and I knew I was in trouble, so I got the AA number and called them, and I said, is there a meeting earlier than 8? Because I don't think I can wait till 8 o'clock. And they said, yes, there's one at 12 o'clock down at 17th and Guerrero, and I went to that meeting, and I've been going to meetings ever since, twenty almost 28 years now. Now, I'm a very lucky one, because... If I had an urge, I wouldn't know what to do, probably. I couldn't vouch that I would stay sober a day at a time. But the compulsion to use, and the, actually I've never had another thought about it, nor have I ever felt anything about it since that day. The problem was really removed from for me. And then I went into AA. They talked, you know, I started to identify with people. 
and they talked about, you know, you know, I made a decision based out of hope that first night. They told me, hey, you should come back. And I said, well, I, I will. I hope you're, gonna, you're right. And they said, you know, you should sit in the front and listen to the speaker, no matter who it is. And I said, okay, I hope you're right. You know, and then they said, you should get a sponsor. I said, no, I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> but I came back. And so the hope, that hope didn't have stay as hope because AA produces viable goods. So the hope switched to belief pretty quickly. So now I was making decisions based on this belief that it's going to be okay and it has come to pass that that's the truth. Not that it's going, not always going to be okay, that it actually is okay while I'm waiting for it to go one way or the other. Yeah? So the belief didn't take long to turn into faith. And faith to me produces, faith is a force of mind. Yeah? I'm not talking about a faith, like a religion, but faith. You know? Faith. And everyone in this room has plenty of it. You may not know it, but you're exhibiting wherever your faith lies right now. If the faith that you have or are is in the thought system, you're going to live in anxiety. You know? It's that simple. Because the thoughts are usually about what's not happening. Yeah. So if it isn't happening, it isn't happening. But we have a huge faith that's going to happen. Yes? So I know I'm going to be fucked. Because I was fucked. This is insanity. And the problem in AA, from the, Bill W.'s point of view, resides in the mind. It's the thought system that is where the parasite finds a hold in you. That's where it gains traction. That's where it's reinforced. It hides out as you while undermining all that you truly want, which is to be happy, joyous, and free. You stop really living and you live an interpretation, basically. The head plays God all day. It tells you at 8 o'clock in the morning when you wake up what 4 o'clock in the afternoon is going to be like. It tells you what you're like. It tells you how you, what you used to be like and what you're going to be like and what they're like and what they used to be like and what they're going to be like and... You know, I'm so fucking sure I'm going to have cancer. I actually don't have it now, but that's beside the point. I'm going to have it. Yeah? And what happens? Yeah? The mind believes something, a really bad thing's going to hurt, occur later. Where do you feel the contraction but now? Where do you feel the inability to respond to this moment because you're reacting to a past and future moment that may never be the way you think it is or was or will be. That If that ain't playing God, I do have no idea what your definition of playing God is. Real, literally. Because that head is performing godlike acts all day and it has no power to deliver them except the power it's fucking deceiving which is you and I. We believe it, and as Jesus says, as you believe, so it is. Yeah? And we're, we're fulfilling the as, it believe, as, as you believe. Yeah? We're believing in the thoughts, and there we're, the, we're the effect of the thoughts. 
there is a solution. Literally, there seriously is a solution that's worth its salt. Just like the sobriety that was started that day 28 years ago, I would qualify it as a true solution. It's stabilized for all these years. It's actually progressed. Yeah? And the more and more it progressed, the less and less effort there was involved in it. I became less and less influential in its effects as it went on. It becomes easy, easier to stay sober in most cases. And it's never easy to get sober. I don't know about you, some of us will never be convinced. But I'll tell you, that miracle that happened when that one person called me that looking like could, could never got sober, got sober. I don't need any bigger stage and any bigger demonstration to convince me that there's a power greater than self. Because I've seen it work intimately in the most influential topic of my life, active alcoholism and addiction. For that to be stopped and to stay stopped is an ongoing miracle. Yeah? I don't need, I'm not testing that higher power or doubting that higher power. I'm honoring that higher power. I don't need any more statues on my altar. That's a big, that's a living statue on my living altar. Yeah? I greet it, I pray to it, I meet it by honoring it. By having, I give it away and I have it. Yes? Simple as that. I show up participate in what's going on here and this is a beautiful 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 situation we're in because we're all patients there's no doctors yes and i need to carry the message you need to hear the message you need to carry the message i need to hear the message it goes such like that at any given moment i need to hear it and or carry it and vice versa so we're all dancing in this unbelievably, unbelievable choreographed dance floor of AA. And sometimes we're leading, sometimes we're receiving. Yes? Sometimes we're following. Yes, yes. Sometimes we're the one that's leading. It's beautiful. No one gets a job as the leader or as the follower. It goes on and on and on and on. And then sobriety ignites itself and the grace keeps on flowing. And if I don't know if you believe it or not, but I definitely, definitely definitely have a sense feltness of interpreting tradition two as this a loving god as he may express himself in our group conscience it's happening right now we get together and we are all quote-unquote individuals some are more likable than others you may wouldn't want to go out with them or something like that but when we get together we're used to produce a sweet bouquet Seriously. That's that loving presence. There is so much grace in recovery, I can't believe it. I get the pleasure or the, the privilege to speak at a lot of spiritual groups diff with different sort of headings, you know. And there's nothing like the energy in AA. There's a grace. There's a propulsion. There's a momentum. If you just have your sails rigged to catch it, it's going to push you through all the things you thought you could never handle. 
Yeah? And if you see that this power or this God, if you want, however you want to point to it, can do for you what you can't do for yourself, the most wisest thing to do is expand that circle of what you can't do for yourself. Throw all of your topics in there and see how it's done, how it's directed, how it's guided by a power greater than you. I'm positive you'd be, you'll ha- be happy with the results. Unless you want to be the star of your movie. Then you won't be. You'll just be one in a giant epic. Or like an average Joe among average Joes. If you want to be the big star, this isn't for you. <laughs> this only has one big star. <laughs> and it ain't you. <laughs> or you. Or you. And it's definitely not all the me's. <laughs> it's the big I. The big spirit. Whatever you want to call it. I believe it's looking out of our heads right now. Yeah. So the steps for me, humbly, are a way to diminish the mental condition that has a hold on us. The problem resides here. I believe it shows more like it appears, because it's not a thing, but it appears like a parasiticalness, a tendency. It seems to try to grab a life because it doesn't have its own. And it does it by basically jacking into the command center of all of us, or let's say the GPS of all of us, which is the thought system. Yeah? It downloads tons of old maps that only, go, it only lead you where it wants to take you. So every time you rely on it, and you're thinking, all I want is to be happy, joyous, and free, it's very surprising that you're in jail. How did I went out? I would go out. This is what I used to do. I'd go out like seven to eight o'clock, and I'd go to a bar, shoot some pool, and I just all I want to do is have a good time. Shoot some pool, then around eight thirty nine, cop some coke, and then around eleven, I'd go out, and then at twelve, I'd be invited to eight fifty Bryant, which is the police uh, department in San Francisco, and then I would get out of there. You know, I couldn't understand what happened. Do the same thing the next night, end up at the same place, and it would still go over my head. How how did this happen again? Well, you did the same fucking thing. You went the same place. It's a pretty good chance that it could happen again. I was totally caught by surprise. Every time I got pulled over, I was what? Yes. I mean, we're out to lunch. We are. We are so displaced. We are so freaking displaced that we can come. We does hasn't this happened to you? You go. You have a full day at a, at whatever job you have, yeah. And then you come home. You take a shower. You make some food. You're eating. And around eight thirty, a big the news. The you know, <laughs> self centeredness. The unclear channel downloads. News break. News break. You had a bad day. <laughs> All right. When did it? When did the bads actually start? Because it's like sixteen hours later. Oh, you had a bad day. I mean, wouldn't you know it was batting when it was batting? <laughs> Why is it that we don't know what's going on, and then it tells us at nine at night, and, oh yeah, that motherfucker was bothering me. It's all made up. I'm not going back there. No one in the job thought it a second about you. You know what I mean? They're all conspiring. No, they're not. They're all up their own ass of self. They have no time to be up your ass of self. That isn't playing God. 
In AA, it says the big, big principle in AA is the third step. Everyone agree, yes? It's the, it's the way out in a lot of ways. But And if you look at the 12 steps, and usually in the case, you do it in a linear manner. In other words, when you're sitting in the first step and worrying about the ninth step, you would come to the conclusion, I'm never going to do those amends. But if you do two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you'll be ready to do the amends. Yeah? But at one, you're not going to do them. But when you do the rest, then it produces. So you get, you get produced to be able to do the next one. Yeah? All right, so if you believe that, when it's talking about the third step, right at the beginning of it, it says first, which would mean preceding everything else after. Yeah? First, you and I have to quit playing God. Then, next, yeah? so this first, in a way, next, then we're going to entertain this idea that God's the duh, we're the children, you know, God's the father, we're the children. All these ways of trying to point out to us the reliance or turning one over to the care of something greater than self. Yeah? But first is the quit playing God. Yeah? That's why when the surrender is claimed by the selfing, which is the parasite, the selfing, the feeling of being a long-lasting independent self, a thing, yeah? Not a spirit, a thing. That selfing, if the selfing claims the act of surrender, it's going to be like the surrender I talked about earlier. You'll, you'll have turned it over, but when any moment that you think it's, you're a better manager for an important topic like meeting a girl or a boy, you'll take it back. And then when the shit hits the fan, oh, oh turn it over with the hope, and then take it back. That's not surrender. Surrender is a clear understanding, and then it's surrendered. And what you actually truly, the deepest surrender, is surrendering the idea of the one who's surrendering or not. Surrender the idea of being a self. That's the true surrender. The other ones can get close, but that's, that's, the, to, that's the cherry on top of the icing. Yeah? This idea that I can give something that's not even in my possession. That's why, see, there's an assumption that we're turning our life over to the care of God. It doesn't say that. We're making a decision because we're incapable of turning it over because it's occupied by the parasite. For all intents and purposes, it's not our life. It's the parasite's life. Yeah? So first, we got to change the dynamic or the power structure by bringing in a power greater than ourselves. And how we do that, how we facilitate that, is four through nine. We do four through nine, and then, then the, the, that power that's greater than us can become influential, and it can weaken the hold the parasite has on you by diminishing the mental state where the parasite does it. So as soon as you start getting freed from the mental state, what starts becoming apparent? The spiritual state. It's like the sun that never set seems to rise. But it's never set. It's always been there at all times. We weren't able to pay attention to it because we were up the ass of the self. <laughs> and every time we want to get some help, we go to the parasite and it sends us to a divine proctologist that ain't so divine. Because it, it may pop you out, but it puts you back in there. And it costs you maybe 600 bucks. Or you got to sign up for three months of a retreat or something. 
There is a bona fide solution. It's available. This is how it would happen with me, seriously. Around, I don't know when exactly, let's say in 11 years of sobriety. I had been introduced, I was, had been introduced to some interesting ideas. Not through AA, but I, it was brought back to AA. Because AA is my way of life. Yeah? This is how I live out here as an action figure. So whatever I meet, I bring it back to my way of life. And this idea was that there was, there is no long-lasting independent separate entity. Yeah? And when I read this this page right here, when this idea started to make some sense in me, when I read this statement, this looked incredibly different than any other time I read it, and it's never changed since the way I see it now. It's never changed in the last sixteen years. It says, being convinced, it's on page 64 in the book, big book, the third paragraph, being convinced, that means to believe with certainty, convinced, yeah, that self manifested in various ways was, had, what, was what had defeated us. So we are the us, and then there's a parasitical movement called self, let's say, and we are a there's the parasitical movement called self, and many of us here have a certain something fixed on that self that amplifies it even more, which is alcoholism and addiction. So let's say someone with just self-centeredness, maybe it sounds like an acoustic guitar. If you have alcoholism, it sounds like an electric guitar. You know what I mean? So the obsession can go to an extreme, you know what I mean? <laughs> which attracts a lot of police dogs and shit like that. It's like a dog whistle for certain situations. <laughs> Most people are their houses aren't getting broken in, but they're fucked up anyway. Everyone's recovering from something, but we have a certain uh, flamboyancy to us. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing quite like alcoholics and addicts, man. Yes, they are the most resistant motherfuckers to a cure you ever imagine. <laughs> so, <laughs> being convinced that self manifested in various ways, and AA gets to some of them. It gets to some of the common ways, which are resentment, fear and harming other people in the pursuit of what we want. We look at our sexual behaviors and relationships to see how we harm people in the pursuit of what we want. Yeah? These are some of the manifestations. There's many more, but you can learn about the self with uh, two or three. You don't need to go over every one of the manifestations because the, where they're emanating from is the same. It's self. Yeah? So if you want to, just go to the dictionary if you have one tonight. And look up the word self in the dictionary. And there'll be, a, there'll be the word self and a hyphen and about 160 different attributes. So self-hatred. There's some nice ones like self-love and self-trust. But then there's other ones. Self-emulation, self-destruction, self-pity. I mean, and if you weigh them all, out of about 160, I'd say 120 of them suck. And 40 could be pretty good. So it's like three quarters 
you sort of lost the race, basically. <laughs> if, the, if, if you get on the SS self, you're going to fucking shipwreck. <laughs> it's not going to Hawaii. <laughs> it's going to fucking Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> Read the fine print. <laughs> You'll be thinking you're going to Hawaii, but you ain't. Don't pack any shorts. <laughs> Being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So if you re- just listen to it, yeah, it's, it'll ring for you. Self and us are seen to be different in Bill W.'s eyes, yeah? It says, self has defeated us. We're the us, and then there's this one quote-unquote thing called self. And in this case, alcoholism, this parasite, has defeated all of us. But it is not legion. It's just one parasite with very limited traits, and they've been described in the big book of AA. And that's why when we come here and we're introduced to the writings, for some of us, this book is the most intimate book we've ever read because it describes us freaking perfectly. Because it's not describing us, it's describing self that was dominating us. That's why you can come here, and I don't identify with who you are, but I do identify with what's taking you over, because I've lived under that takeover, which you have. And that's why they say only an alcoholic is going to listen to another alcoholic. Because people who are normal or doctors, they don't know what it's like to live under the tyranny of that parasite. You, you, can, you can scientifically understand it, but it doesn't get close to the real feeling about it. It's only one alcoholic helping another that produces a possibility of real relief. Yeah? Because there's an understanding. We've lived under the same occupation to some level or some degree or for some length, but it's the same tyrant. All of us. And if you don't believe it, listen at meetings, and I guarantee you're going to have to ask yourself a question after a few months. That Because when I came in, I felt terminally unique, seriously. Like no one thought like I did. No one had done the bad things I'd done. No one felt like I did. And after a few months of listening, because in an AA meeting, as we know, people share their feelings, their thoughts, and their experiences and stuff, I had to come to either two conclusions. How did they get my thoughts? <laughs> yeah. How did they get my feelings? How did they get my actions? Or they're not mine. Let's not make the big leap. Let's make a little leap. They're ours. We've been taken over by the same parasite. It's exhibiting its same traits to all of us with a couple of unique turns and bends, yes? But basically, for a large swath of a lot of the young people in, in, uh, out there using, if you took a giant survey, there is a giant amount, a giant percentage of them that always end up at the same three parking spaces, institution, jails, and death, with all different ethnicities, with all different religions, with all different levels of intelligence, you seem seem to be all these different starting points, but they end up at the three doors. 
There's one driver of all the cars. If you can't see it, you'll see it by its fruits. Like Jesus says, you can't see the tree, but you can tell the tree by its fruits. A good tree cannot bring forth a bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bring forth, bring forth good fruit. This parasite does not bring forth good fruit. You know? Not one of us ever thought of coming to Milestone. You know, it wasn't like on our coffee table where we're going up planning our next vacation. <laughs> oh, yes, though I love it, but no one's, you know, oh, Milestone. Let's see, I've done Delancey Street already. Synanon. You know, let's try Milestone. <laughs> I'm starting to get used to this insta- <laughs> being institutionalized, you know. <laughs> so, okay. The humble possibility I'm throwing out there, I do not believe that it's extreme concern with self is the problem or obsession with self is the problem. I believe it's a step farther, which is identifying as a self. Because then the most hostile parasite can, can be hidden in, in the wide open because you'll be calling it you. Simple as that. Just like all the thoughts that may be construed as alcoholics, you keep calling them yours. The behavior that's alcoholic, you keep calling it your behavior. What people are driven to to do under the influence, you keep claiming it to be yours. I would say that's the act of being identified. It's pretty evident. If you recognize that as the exact nature of the wrong... I'm telling you, there's a beginning of a radical relief because at that 11th year mark, when I saw self as a foreign installment or as a parasite or something, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it gives you a sense of difference, you know, like, it's not you. It's not you. Not as an affirmation or a denial, just as a recognition, because that's what happened with me. I was trying to be free and get happy as a self. A self with alcoholism and addiction. It wasn't working out well. But the whole idea of being free is really from it. From self. So when you realize you're not the thinker of the thoughts, the thoughts have less influence on you. When you realize you're not the feeler of the feelings, it doesn't mean there's no feelings, there's tons of feelings, there's tons of thoughts, but there's no one who's having them. Yeah? You're not the feeler. There's feelings galore, but you're not the feeler. What happens? You lose a little interest in the feelings. You get some space between you and them. And in that space, that pause becomes powerful. And therefore, you do not become the reaction to a feeling. There's a pause before you do anything. When you're just sitting here right now, all the thoughts that are happening in there, they're not owned by anybody. They're not owned by anybody. But as soon as you think it's your thought, and that thought impels an action, when you do that action, you're going to be beholden to that action out in this world. Yeah? Just like an example. This never happened, by the way, but as an example. <laughs> have a girlfriend for years. I must have thought I hated her many, many times. Yeah? But I never said a damn thing. So no one was the wiser. 
But let's say something happened, something compelled me to say that to her, she would never forget it. I would be beholden to that thought because an action combined with it. Yeah? When it's up here, it's just a thought and you let it go, there's no one, there's no market leaves. But if you act upon it, you'll have a 20-year sentence. You'll do something stupid and you'll be beholden for that action. Even though in a deep level you did not, you were not responsible because if you look at the word powerless, it means you're powerless. You're powerless over alcohol. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I'm powerless when it's in the bottle over there. I'm powerless over alcohol after I drink it. Then I'm apt to do almost anything. Then why do you claim to be the one who did it when you didn't do it? Alcohol, alcoholism, use you for transportation. And then it leaves you to pay all the traffic fines. It runs into people and then there's nowhere to be found. You go to court. You get holding the bag. I know people in San Quentin, in California, who killed someone in a blackout. They can't even go back to the event that has totally tattooed their rest of their life. And you know what? Every time I drank, I didn't get in trouble. But every time I was in trouble, I'd been using. Every fucking time in my life that I got involved with the cops, I was under the influence. You know, there's patterns. You can see them. Yeah. So if you can see the pattern of how self defeats you, and you see it as a foreign installment, the possibility of that defeat not happening again, or at least the next defeat will be put off a lot longer than it used to be, and there'll be big, big gaps when there's no defeat at all going on. Yeah, that's a possibility. I've lived it. You know, I entertain these ideas. And I humbly want, would like to say that I've been traveling years and years now in this lifetime. A lot of shit's happened, but I've traveled lighter over everything. It didn't mean it changed anything. It means whatever geography I had to go through, I traveled lighter over it. What more do you want? What more do you want than to be able to understand peace and comprehend serenity? To be able to enjoy peace of mind, like it says in the book. You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. What's stopping us from enjoying peace of mind? The parasite. When, that's, when it's arrested, you have the ability to enjoy peace of mind. You can be content. Which is amazing to think of, because I was never content. And I don't care how much coke I did, it never satiated me. I never hit a point where I thanked coke and said, that, thank you. I'm done. You've given me all you could possibly give me. I'm totally satisfied. Thank you, coke. Hey, Bill, have some coke. Jim, coke. I'm done. Yes. When has that happened? Ever. With any addiction. Never. Never. If you're shooting every ten minutes, you keep going every six minutes, five minutes, and then you just boom, 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 boom. It's nothing. It's always the fucking same. It produces more emptiness. It's the illusion of filling, but it leaves you empty as hell. That's not going to change by more or better quality. It's the same, same. But I believe abstinence is the key. to li- Not just as abstaining from drink, and drugs, that's the beginning, but from abstaining from thought. 
abstaining from taking the self too seriously. And that means taking thoughts seriously. Yeah. Not by an effort, but by a possibility. You've entertained it's possible, and then it can become so. Not through your grace, but through the grace. There is a solution, and a radical one's available. Not just, oh, it's going to get slowly a little better. No. I don't base my okayness on my body condition, my emotional condition, my circumstantial condition, my physical condition. I base it on that condition that doesn't change, the spirit. It allows me to outshine circumstances and situations in all those other realms. Instead of being totally overwhelmed by them, I can outshine them because my mind doesn't rest in thoughts. It doesn't rest in how I'm doing physically. It rests in its own nature, which is ever-present at all times with no requirement necessary except the ones you put up. So that's that. (laughs) The saga will continue in your own laboratory. The spiritual subpoena has been served. You'll be called to the court of mind or to the court of light. Go to light. (laughs) All your little seeming trespasses will be annulled. You'll be left off the biggest hook, which is your own. You're the last thing that's ever going to forgive you. You know, so and another incredible possibility coming to Dover comes to a an ecstatic end. <laughs> I want to thank Mike for bringing me here and for taking care of me while I'm here, and Bill and everyone else and these lovely the Whippany contingent over here. The Staten Island isn't here tonight, but they were here last night. We've got the New York contingent from the Course in Miracle. We got Justin and he's a, a world of his own over there. We've got that. John over there. Yes. It's always um, so you know, you grow to love people in the in the you know, there's like that camaraderie we have, camaraderie about the problem. There's also a huge camaraderie about the solution. You know what I mean? You can, st- you know, we identify with each other because we've all been under that tyranny. It's great to identify with the other in the free rangeness of the relief. Yeah. That's that. We passed the basket. We have shirts. They're coming fast, man. Of course, the miracle people bought a lot of shirts today. And the books. There's books, and uh, I hope I come back. And you know, and uh, and we have ZenBitchSlap.com. Tons of free content. There's some. There's a whole thing we did on the twelve steps called Reflections on the Twelve Steps. So you can, if you want to check that out. Uh, I don't always talk about the steps because we we're, there's other targeted audiences, but there's some in there about this, you know, about AA, and I'm always putting AA in because to me, I live the problem that all the spiritual seekers are trying to deal with, and I thought AA captured it beautifully about the self, 
And that's all the other ones are talking about. Yeah? But we have that illust- we have the illustrated version of the problem of self, you know. So I mean the contrast allows us to see that that things that other people don't see because it's not as extreme in their lives, you know. They're like in, in a slow death. We were in an incredible, hellacious situation. And sometimes that's the best event because it brings you to the precipice where something has to change. Because there's, there's two duns going on here. There's the dun of dying, and there's the dun of either you're going to... If you're not done getting loaded, you're going to get to the other dun. And in my life, it looked like the dun of death was winning, and suddenly that intervention happened, and I was done. Before I was done. <laughs> Literally. And this whole, all the years since is just gravy. There's, there's no way. <laughs> this, it could have continued. <laughs> so, you want to end with a serenity prayer? Can we hold hands and stuff? That'd be nice. Huh? Did we pass the baskets? Yeah, almost done. For anyone who wants to, we're going to go to the diner again? The diner today? Yes. We're going to the diner if you're interested. Randolph Diner. The name that should never be named. The diner, just the diner. You are a diner. Right. <laughs> the wee version of the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We go, uh, keep coming back and work. Yeah. Yeah, so she's an unusual story, and you may have seen her. Um, her sister lives in San Francisco. Yeah. 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 Thank you.
What's your name? Daniel. Daniel. I A L E I can't believe it. I tried to do it. I was nervous about speaking. You're right. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's not about you. That's right. I used to be, I grew up in Long Island. Oh, yeah. I thought the Queen back. No, it's Nassau. All right, Paul. Mike Dempsey, by the way. So I'll see you next time. I could just say that, you know, when you talk about self and you talk about this transformation that happens, if, you can, if I can put my mind, and then I don't want to use the concept of that, my mind around what the spiritual awakening is as a result of that, I say it's the serenity prayer, realized. Well, yeah, because you had another modality, say. Yeah. Intuition comes and stuff like that. And you're on a need to know basis. Right. And you know, so many people, so many women in this area, we're on from the whole they say, you know, I just, I can't get with the concept of God. And I say, no, it's fine. Just let's just go with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end, like it says, any prejudice aside, the ones in the battle, it's kind of just clear your mind, clear your mind, you go into the world of possibilities. Just the way you put it, the better. I like the better way of calibrating yourself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. 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 Bye. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great. Thank you. Like I'll see you again. Yes, please. Zen Slack. Dot com. Well, Paul Hederman. You look up Paul Hederman. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of content, all free, just download it. Yeah, well, it can, you can use it as a reminder. And all this will be up on it when I get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to get back and, uh, yeah, it's up.